Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Uh, again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, from the Oklahoma, as always, and joined today by the Austin American Statesman, Brian Davis, the preview of OU Texas. Uh, Brian, how you doing this afternoon? Doing good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great. Just getting ready to head down to uh, Dallas as as we meet uh, every year down there for uh, for this rivalry. And uh, this year, the stakes seem to be just a little bit bigger on both sides with uh, what the Longhorns have been able to uh, to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt Texas has put itself in a pretty interesting position as a as especially as a mid-season uh fork in the road so to speak i feel like from texas's standpoint if you win saturday if you beat oklahoma on saturday you have launched yourself back into the cfp conversation your quarterback has probably launched himself into the heisman race um, and texas at that point would probably be a odds-on favorite to run the table uh, and get to the Big 12 championship game. So, I mean, yeah, from Texas' perspective, there's a whole lot of upside uh, that way. Now, a loss, on the other hand, uh, that probably puts a ceiling on how far you can go, most likely the Sugar Bowl, uh, if, if you can if you can go still in the Big 12. But, uh, but yeah, but to me, it's a big fork in the road moment uh, for Texas, for Tom Herman, and, and for uh, – for the program as a whole. Brian, you mentioned Sam Ellinger and uh, the, the, their quarterback. He's been fantastic to this point. His numbers very comparable, really outside of the, the running numbers, which have uh, helped Jalen Hurts stand out, but very comparable mm-hmm. to what uh, Jalen Hurts has done in the, in the passing game. What have you seen that's different about Sam Ellinger in 2019 versus the Sam Ellinger we saw in this game a year ago? Well, I mean, I know I'm probably supposed to say confidence, but this guy was had bulletproof confidence, you know, the day he walked in the door. Um, I think it's been – I think I think last year was the year that he really, really uh, progressed in terms of his ball placement, uh, being able to put passes in places where only his guy could get it. Um, this year, I feel like he's been able to go through uh, more progressions find more guys that are open, um, and spread the ball around. I mean, at one point during the West Virginia game, uh, they were up to nine different receivers, uh, nine different people had caught a pass. I mean, they, they granted, they ran a lot of guys through there because of how the game unfolded. But still, I mean, to spread it around to all the positions, uh, to, to as many different guys as they have, but to be able to lean on Devin DuVernay, to be, to be able to lean on Jake Smith, um, as top targets has been has been pretty impressive, and the thing is that that I think uh, has been from a uh, his one of his smarter things is that he's not running as much as he has the last two years. It's almost like it's been calculated runs. Um, but granted, he will still tuck and go uh, when the case need be, and he will still try to run over people. Sadly, from a Texas fan standpoint. If you want him to want him to not do that, um, but yeah, but I, I just think he's been much much smarter 
about uh, how he's running and when he's running. And Brian, obviously the, the protection for Samuel here is a big, uh, a big point of emphasis as well. And, and one of those guys, Sam Cosme, made some news yesterday. I don't know if you were around for his comments about oh, yeah. the of line, but what did you think when he said that and how did you take it? Well, it's funny because I'm actually writing about this for Friday, you know, in the in the statesman. Um, I mean, he was asked point blank, you know, what, what do you what do you think about uh, Perkins and, and Gallimore, and you know, and I the quote right here, I have the quote right here. He said, "I wouldn't say they're super special, but they're good players. They're solid players. Not anything to worry about too much." And the thing is, is that I know when you read it, it comes off as as a, a very serious put down, very serious smack talk, but that's that's just not how he meant it. Um, you know, I think in Cosme's mind, he's thinking, you know, it's not Michael Strahan out there or something like that. You know, <laughs> and it's it's not you know guys who are going to be number one picks, you know, in future Hall of Famers. It's just good college players, right? So you got to understand Cosme's mindset too. I mean, he's a very confident player, extremely confident. You know, Ryan, you and I would love the honesty we get out of him because that's that's what we that's what we're looking for as, as beat writers. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, when you see it on paper, it's like, oh my God, he's ripping out you, you know. But oh well, <laughs> it seemed like he was all right until that last sentence, and that last sentence <laughs> was sort of nothing crazy. to worry about too much. But I'm not gonna lie, say everything I, gets uh, perceived. <laughs> I was standing there, and I thought, "Yeah, that's that's not going to age well." I don't, I don't think. But uh, but like I said, you know, extremely extremely confident. I think he's a guy who's going to play in the league someday. Um, you know, and I'm I'm definitely not going to be the one who holds him back. <laughs> it it seems like that uh, on the Oklahoma side, at least. They're very being very cognizant about avoiding uh, things like that and, and avoiding saying anything. People asked about Sam Ellinger yesterday about the only response we got uh, out of the the Oklahoma defensive players who came in was he's a good player. Uh, no specifics. No, they weren't going to expound beyond that. It seems like they were very trained not to say anything that could be perceived in a, in a similar way. You know, it, it would not shock me if opponents, um, it wouldn't shock me if opposing players don't have to be told or reminded, Hey, don't talk smack about this guy because I I think he's earned people's respect. I I really do. I mean, you know, Sam uh, beat him last year. Um, obviously had Texas in a very good position uh, in the Big 12 championship game until the corner blitz. Um, you know, an excellent call by Ruffin at that time. Um, you know, beat Georgia the way he the, and it was the way he beat Georgia. I, I think if I think if you're a college football player and you know what it takes and you are seeing Texas from afar, I, I got to believe that that you have a little bit of respect for Ellinger and that you you wouldn't mind it if he was your quarterback too. You'd probably be okay with that. Yeah, I think just about any team in the country would would be happy to have Sam Ellinger 
with what he's done uh, to this point. BD, the next question might take up a whole segment, but uh, what's the injury situation for the Longhorns coming into uh, Saturday's game? Well, it's gotten certainly it's certainly gotten better uh, in the last uh, week or so. Uh, I I thought that the way that Texas was trending, that they weren't going to have anybody uh, ready for this game, but. Um, Turns out a lot of guys that have not been as banged up as thought. Uh, the headline name is Colin Johnson. You know, their their wide receiver um, on, on the outside. You know, he was seeing you know Texas fans, OU fans know Colin Johnson. They know what he can do. Um, he hasn't played in the last uh, three games because of a hamstring injury that was suffered against LSU. Basically, he tried to come back. He aggravated the injury the Thursday before the Rice game. Then they were super cautious with it, and that's why he hasn't played. You know, because hamstrings are fickle. So I do expect uh, Colin to play this week. Um, how how much or how successful he'll be, I don't know. But the thing that he does is you put him on the field, and now you are forcing a safety to roll to his side, which theoretically should open up things for Brandon Eagles on the on the opposite side. Now. Um, or, or maybe just play him, or maybe you just play Colin straight up, man to man, and say, "Hey, this guy's been out for a while. You know, let's let's make him prove it first. Now, that could be the way to go." Um, Jordan Whittington, the other big offensive threat for Texas, he is not expected to play this week. Had sports hernia surgery. Herman said Monday it was probably a pipe dream that he would be back for this week, so they're probably looking at having him back uh, next week or maybe the week after. Um, but right now, redshirting the freshman isn't really uh, being discussed. Defensively, Texas is getting DeMarmion Overshone back this week, a safety uh, who really helped them with depth. They got B.J. Foster back, the nickelback. They got him uh, back on the field against West Virginia. He made a ton of plays, uh, almost made a ton of coaching plays, but you know he was all over the place out there and had a big interception. So, I mean, those those are the big names aside from the from the other uh, bumps and bruises, uh, Texas is, is in as good a shape as you can be right now. Yeah, the, you brought up Colin Johnson, and that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch as Oklahoma safeties have struggled. Their nickelback, uh, Brennan Radley-Hiles, has struggled at times, especially with uh, tackling in the open, open field. It hasn't hurt them yet because they haven't faced a team that had very much depth at wide receiver and, and the ability to spread the field, like you mentioned, and, and force those safeties, force those nickels to really make high-value plays. That, to me, is going to be a big key in Saturday's game to see how Oklahoma is able to defend that if Radley Hiles or whoever they have back there is able to perform well and if uh, Delarian Turner-Yell and Pat Fields are able to hold up because while Oklahoma has, a lot of, has built a lot of depth on their defense, they haven't really done it at safety, and those guys have had to play a lot to this point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when I, when I was just, I was just going to start talking about Turner Yell when I, I was looking at the depth chart. Um, you know, I was like, okay, well, I was just thinking to myself, okay, who do these guys? Who do they still have? Okay, Turner Yell, Patrick Fields, Clay Brown. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that were uh, running, running, uh, running around in Arlington. Last year, I think it's the I think it's the Texas offense. You're probably fired up to face this same secondary again because you feel good about it. Uh, Parnell Motley, there's another one. Um, 
that's why if from the from the matchup standpoint, Texas offense versus the OU secondary, I have to believe that Texas offense thinks they have the advantage there. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Alex Grinch has definitely changed it up. The, the numbers indicate that the defense is better. But Ryan, I'm a I'm a firm believer that this will be the best team that OU has played yet. And um, you know, I think if you're an OU fan, you have to be wondering, okay, how good are we really? Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you on both of those things. I think that obviously Houston when Oklahoma played them was a pretty dynamic offense with the Eric King and, and some of the other weapons that they had, but they didn't have the depth at receiver that the Texas does. Like I said, that can spread the field and really stress the defense. And the Eric King, while a fantastic quarterback, isn't mm-hmm. the thrower that Sam Ellinger is. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a really, really big test for Oklahoma's defense. Alex Grinch's defense is better than what Mike Stoops put on the field for the first part of last year and what Ruffin McNeil put on the field for the last part of last year. But we still don't know how much better they are. Are they just marginally better? Are they significantly better? They haven't been able to turn the ball over much uh, the last few weeks. They need to do that. They uh, haven't been really stressed in the passing game. You mentioned Motley. He's a guy who really struggled at times last year. He's been really good this year. But like I said, he hadn't been tested. So that's going to be uh, something really interesting to watch on Saturday. I think we're going to find out a lot about how much better Alex Lynch's defense is than the one from a year ago. Yeah, I mean, and part of it too, it, part of the thing is that it's it's easy to paper over mistakes when your quarterback is rushing for almost 100 yards a game, <laughs> right? I mean, Jalen Hurts has been sensational, I think. Um in fact, in fact, I asked Tom Herman this on Monday. The the plays and the games that I've seen, Jalen is like literally running out in the open, and there's like no one around him. And and my question to Herman was, are they is the scheme that good? Is Jalen that good? Or are these defenses that awful? And and he and he didn't exactly deny maybe the last one, you know. So. Um, Texas has been very complimentary these last couple of days about Hurts. I think you absolutely have to be, um, you know, without being there every day like like you are, Ryan. I I gotta believe that Jalen wants to prove all those Alabama fans that that he was that he's great, you know, um, and that's why I gotta think that he is. I I think Jalen over Ellinger is the number one key to this whole thing on Saturday, win, lose or draw. Yeah, I agree that uh, Jalen Hurts. Has something to prove in this game. I think he's gone a long way toward proving that, but this is a different animal uh, for the Longhorns. Well, Brian, tell people where they can follow you on social media, where they can read your work uh, in the last couple days before uh, we get to Saturday's game and beyond if you want to keep up with the Longhorns. Let's just be honest, and beyond, because Sooner fans can't wait to read up about Texas and Kansas and Texas versus K-State. It's going to be phenomenal. You can go to hook'em.com. H-O-O-K-E-M dot com. Find all our stuff there. And then on the web, you can find me at B Davis A-A-S. All right. We'll uh, give Brian Davis a follow. And, and Brian, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll uh, see you this weekend down uh, down in, in uh, wherever we are, Dallas, Frisco, a little bit of everywhere as uh, we do some more Red River Rivalry Radio, which I've gotten accustomed to 
thing on the podcast as we uh, have plugged it, but it's live right now. Check that out, redriverrivalryradio.com. But uh, we'll uh, run into you down there. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, uh, from the Oklahoma, and this is the Single Texture Podcast presented by Zach. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much to Brian Davis of the Austin American Statesman for joining us in the last segment. For this segment, I'll talk to Trey Millard, former Oklahoma fullback, about Jeremiah Hall's success, OU Texas, and what he's been up to since uh, his football career ended. Here's Trey Millard. Well, Trey, uh, welcome to the podcast, and, and thanks so much for joining us. Um, wanted to ask you about Jeremiah Hall after seeing, uh, I guess, you were on the sidelines on last week when he uh, had the big fourth down catch against uh, Texas Tech. He talked about the tradition of that position and, and mentioned your name. What's it like to see that uh, that tradition continue um, over the last few years with, with uh, Dimitri Flowers and then now with Jeremiah Hall. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome that we're still talking about fullbacks and the unique way that OU uses them um, and just that position in general, right? Like it's not a huge talking point, I'm sure, around the country. But, I mean, Jer- Jeremiah Hall is really coming into his own this as early on as it as a being um, catching touchdowns and being active, and, and you love the way Lincoln uses them. And man, he's he's a fantastic player. How did you see that position evolve during your time at OU? Obviously, it really took off with JD Runnels and what Kevin Wilson was doing, and it's it's continued in a lot of the same vein. But it, it seems like it just seems to get tweaked every time that uh, another guy moves in there. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty interesting. It's it's been it's been cool because you know JD yeah JD started it and he was uh, in a different offense uh, kind of system, um, and then when I came, uh, and I mean Brody Eldridge and Matt Clapp are a big part of the reason why I came to Oklahoma. Just the way that um, Kevin Wilson was using them, um, they're still getting to touch the ball a little bit. They're on the field quite a bit more than um, you know other universities use them, and so that brought me here, and then. We had some guys transfer and quit and get hurt at the tight end position, which kind of helped me evolve into getting, you know, more reps in the field and kind of that position evolving. And then I leave and Rupkowski steps right in there. And then Dimitri Flowers, you know, steps right in there. And he has kind of um, an active role in Lincoln's offense. And now he's gone. And you think, well, sure, they can't continue to do it. And then now we've got Jeremiah Hall, and it doesn't look like we're slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, it seemed like that, you know, when Lincoln Riley came in, there were some questions over whether, whether that would continue to be such a big part of the offense. And I think Dimitri talked about this right after uh, Lincoln arrived, but it certainly hadn't seemed like that's let up just because of the versatility that having a guy that can do a little bit of everything, play fullback, play tight end, uh, even line out wide and, and do some different things brings to an offense. And, uh, 
Uh, yeah. It just seems like that's continued to, to uh, thrive. Yeah, he, I mean, I think what's interesting about the, the, the kind of guys that we're using, um, we're a little bit probably more athletic than the typical uh, fullback. And Lincoln, in his brilliance, just finds mismatches um, left and right, you know, not just for the fullback position, but for every position on the field. And when you have guys that are versatile and you've got a mind like his, offensive mind like his, I mean, a lot of things can happen. And as we've seen by the scores, a lot of things are happening, you know. So it's 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 fun to watch. And, man, I'm almost jealous just because of how, how Lincoln uses them sometimes. I mean, it's incredible. And those guys are capitalizing on all the opportunities uh, that Lincoln's given them. And it's just fun. It's, it's fun to be on the sidelines and watch um, yeah. those guys and your fullback brothers, you know, have success. I know you're still uh, living around the area. How often are you able to come out and watch and, and see this team play? So I, I kind of like, I kind of prefer watching at home just because I can control the remote. You know, I've watched, I've watched film so long that I like to analyze a little bit more. And when I'm at the game, at the games, I actually end up talking more than I actually end up watching. So, um, but I've tried to get this, this last game was the first one I went to, but I'm trying to get to more and more, um, uh, trying to get my son down to his first game too. So, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I love being here, and we love Norman. Uh, it's just been a great part of our family, and uh, will continue to be so. What? Uh, how old's your son? He's turning two on the 19th. Okay. And then um, so realize what football is and get into it at all. Or? Yeah. So this year is the first, so we've been we watched the first game, and he would just yell this ball at the screen and he I mean anytime that we're watching it yeah he just he doesn't know what's going on but he'll just stop sometimes and just scream and yell and get excited and then you know go tear up the rest of the house <laughs> those are those so, are always fun days I'm sure yeah 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 and we're about to have number two in November end of November so oh really yeah another boy and uh another boy wow mm-hmm yeah I'm trying to get a full backfield but <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have your hands full. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tough, but you know, we're we're excited about it. With uh, OU Texas coming up, wanted to also also ask you about that. Obviously, you had one of the sort of the signature plays over the last uh, few years uh, in that game. Looking back at it now, what seven years later, what do you remember wow. about specifically that play? And I guess can you? believe it's been that long yeah no i would have never guessed seven years already man that's true um it's i think the coolest thing about it and that game um is just the rivalry and the passion you know um the fact that it is seven years later and people are still talking about it is just is just really really cool and um at our church actually this week um roy williams got got to speak and you know, you talk about the Superman play, and that's it's more than seven years. I don't, I don't know how exactly long that is, but it's it's a truly special game, and not just for OU, but really college football. Um, I remember when I was playing in the NFL, guys would always come up and they're, they're like, "Are you the are you the guy that did that in OU Texas?" Like, you know, it's one of those rivalry games that, regardless of who your favorite team is, you love to watch. Um, and it's been really exciting here in the last year that. You know, Texas is kind of starting to be be a better team. The rivalry is starting to come back. But, I mean, there's so much opportunity for 
to shine at such a high level across the, across the country. It's 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 a really special opportunity. And it's, it's it's exciting to see. Did you realize right after that play how obviously the game's got to play out? You've got to you know finish off the win. But uh, did you realize when you made that play that that would be one of those signature moments? Uh, um, for that. I knew it was going to be a good like a good play that would be talked about. I never I never would have imagined that it was going to be what it is, which um, is just really really cool. Um, it's it's cool to see people get that excited about something that you did, you know, no matter what it is. So so the fact that people remember that and they're excited about it and they you know show people or like hey this is that guy it's like it's it's really cool um and, and and it's really awesome to be a part to be the guy that they're talking about you know and um to be uh, kind of like rewarded or approved of of something that you worked really hard for so um it's it's really cool it's a really special play um and yeah i love it <laughs> out, out, outside of that what are maybe some of the memories that stand out to you about that rivalry and, and those games that you played in against the Longhorns? Um, well, as the competitor that I am, the worst, the worst memory is that we lost, that we lost as a senior um, and just played poor. <laughs> I think the whole team played pretty poorly that game. And, and it's a game that we should have won. And that would have made me four zero against Texas. So that one burns a little bit. Um, but Really, just the fair and the atmosphere is is, in, is just incredible, and I think that it's fun to play that kind of game in that stadium um, with the fans half and half. Um, it's it, it's it's hard to describe, and um, I just remember some huge plays that Demarco made when I was a freshman, and. Um, that are still getting played. And you remember just, you know, more recovery by Winchester and the interceptions by DeMontre Hurst and uh, they returned for a touchdown and uh, Gino and things like that. So, I mean, they were fun games. That, um, you can always look back and remember just because of the, the level and the stage that was on. Yeah. And uh, Trey, I know we talked about this before we started recording, but, uh, Tell people a little bit about what you're doing now and uh, just what life's been like after football for you. Well, um, we are so we're in South Oklahoma City now. Um, I just started a new job um, with RX Medical, uh, doing some medical sales and pain and wellness, and love that I just get to kind of build relationships with people and um, help people really. So um, excited to be in that in that career, and we're moving to South Norman. And we're having another baby, so we're doing a bunch of life events all at once, just to have a rough season, so that you know we'll be we'll be smooth here in about four months or so. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a fun and exciting time uh, for the Millard family. But yeah, I, I really appreciate you having me on, and this is fun. Yeah, Trey, we really appreciate you uh, joining us. Good luck with everything, and uh, hopefully, we we'll get a chance to to chat with you again in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. We're going to take a break there before the final segment of the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. We're going to come back with fellow OU beat writer Joe Masato to talk about 
OU Texas predictions, some other predictions nationally, and answer a couple of mailbag questions. Once again, this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for uh, joining us. Again, great interviews in the first two segments. Well, the subjects were great. I don't know how great the interviews were, but with Brian Davis of the Austin American Statesman, uh, Trey Millard. Uh, former OU football player and now finally for the third segment I am joined by Joe Masato uh, fellow beat writer Joe uh, we got a chance to chat with Lincoln Riley on Wednesday night it's always an interesting uh, interesting session but uh, a, a couple of things that we took away from it one uh, Lincoln Riley has never had a Fletcher's corny dog how Jeez. egregious is this very egregious I mean we might have to find a way to sneak that into our cover. Maybe for the report card, like F, Lincoln Riley's like fair food grade <laughs> or something like that. It, it, now, it was funny because at the end, you know, sort of when we're wrapping things up and uh, sometimes these things take a turn to the absurd, <laughs> uh, which is fun. And entertaining last questions usually. Yeah, so we're talking about that and he said, well... He said, I don't, I don't know. It's you know, usually all business down there. It's not the place for it. He said, well, maybe my last one I'll sneak out there and get a corny dog. Corn dog, I think is what he said. But um, then I also asked, and you're going to wear the, the beat, beat Texas hat? And he said, yeah, and the red pants. Wow. So, Thir- 35 years ago, <laughs> 35th anniversary, I think, of the beat Texas hat. Yeah. 84? Which, which is funny because... I don't know that I ever heard the story about the Beat Texas hat until uh, Wednesday when I was listening to the radio and, and Barry Trammell was actually talking about it. Apparently, Barry Switzer just didn't have a hat to put on, and he said, I need a hat. Somebody give me a hat, and somebody handed him the Beat Texas hat, and unlike any coach in college football, Barry Switzer didn't say, oh, I can't wear this one. Get me another hat. Surely there's somebody else has an OU hat. He put it on and, and, and wore it proudly. Yeah, it was a downpour that day, apparently, and he, he did not want to get his head wet. So um, <laughs> I, I guess kudos to whoever gave him that hat because it made for a heck of a story. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's great, great story, great pictures, just uh, a fantastic thing. Uh, Joe, let's get into some mailback questions real quick. Uh, just got a couple of them this week talking about this game specifically. Uh, the first one's one we got through email. Who is the player uh, for either OU or Texas who this game turns on? Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not going to say Jalen Hurts or Sam Ellinger because I want to be a little more interesting. But I would say those two guys. I think a, a, I don't know if it turns on this guy. <laughs> and, I, I'm, I'm, and, I'm backing and, and out. Joe's gonna answer like. Five different players. I'm He's already thrown two I'm out. Sa- I'm so. saying Creed Humphrey. And really, I, that's I kn- an interesting. I, I know it's not an obvious choice, but but I think 
the the story of OU likely being without their two starting tackles in this game, a remade offensive line, one that we haven't exactly seen gel yet, and a line comprised largely of players who haven't played in this game. We know how loud it can get in the Cotton Bowl. Creed Humphrey is basically the offensive line coach on the field. Um, you know, he's he, he's not only got to calm that offensive line down, but make sure. Um, the guy behind him is feeling okay in Jalen Hurts. So I think he's going to be sort of a, you know, a really important piece on the field. And I'm not sure we're paying enough attention to the, the offensive line struggles that Oklahoma might have in this game. Yeah, I think if you're talking about offensive linemen, I might lead toward uh, Tyrese Robinson there. Yeah. Just because uh, a, a tackle hasn't played a lot of tackle, especially at this level. Bill Biedenboe said he's been playing it for about uh, a week and a half <laughs> when we talked to him on uh, Tuesday night. He played it some in high school, but as Bill Biedenboe said, playing tackle in high school is a completely different animal from playing tackle at this level. But uh, Didn't Biedenboe say he's the backup at left tackle? Is yeah, he did. That was entertaining. We, yeah, he, well, <laughs> Bill Biedenboe is nothing but entertaining. And uh, our good friend Eddie Radosevich said, hey, I've got some eligibility to play. And Biedenboe immediately shut that down. He, he said, did. we're not playing you. So uh, They're not that desperate. Yeah, there's uh, no doubt about that. But, um, you know, for me, Jalen Hurts would be the easy answer because he hadn't played in this game. See, you're doing, what I, you're doing what I did. <laughs> I'm doing it only because you brought it up. Because had you not brought it up, if you would have said Jalen Hurts, I would have said somebody else. Uh, if you would have said somebody else, I would have said Jalen Hurts. But you sort of took that away as an option. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm going to go with Parnell Motley. Yeah. This is a guy who had struggled at times, struggled some in this game a year ago. Um, although, you know, the more and more I think about it, I think I'm talking myself out of Parnell Motley. Oh. Uh, I, I'm actually going to go with Brendan Radley-Hiles. That I think the stress on that position – uh, you know, we've seen some struggles out of him this year, uh, tackling especially. I think with the depth that Texas has at receiver, the way they're able to run the football, I think that, that spot is going to get magnified. And if Brendan Radley-Hiles, if, if Buki plays a really good game, I think OU's defense is going to be in fantastic shape. If he doesn't, it's going to be a whole lot more difficult for OU to have success on that side of the ball. Yeah, you know, Alex Grinch was asked about that earlier this week. Basically, he said, we're not going to magically grow um, from now until Saturday. You know, Buki's on the shorter side, Trey Brown, Jane Davis. Um, Motley has a little more size to him. But, I mean, overall, they just don't match up um, with some of those big Texas receivers height-wise. And, and we've seen, you know, even – not only height, but just size-wise, Brendan Radley-Hiles has struggled to tackle at times. Saw it even last week against Kansas. So I think that's a pretty good pick. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how that turns out. Um, Joe, another question, and this sort of goes along with what Barry Trammell is going to write later in the week, depending on what you're, when you're listening, if he's already written it or if he's going to write it. Um, how will OU handle – a close game late we've seen them through five games they have not been pushed into a fourth quarter the games have been decided by the fourth quarter we knew what was going to happen in all likelihood this game is going to be decided at some point in the final 15 minutes how do you feel like the Sooners will handle that situation yeah you know 
if you look at the offense, I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have them in pretty good hands. He's played in plenty of close game situations. I, I'm more interested to see how the defense would respond in a close game situation. Um, just, you know, they, they've played so much better. We've, we've talked that to death. But, you know, they haven't really played high-stress minutes. They've been kind of, you know, ha- have been able to maintain a carefree attitude out there, have fun. But we haven't really seen, you know, what they're going to do under pressure. You know, if Sam Ellinger's back there and they have to have a stop, we, we have no idea what that looks like this year. Yeah, so that'll certainly be uh, something to watch on Saturday. That will be interesting. I think the offense, like you said, is going to be all right. Uh, Jalen Hurts is unflappable. He treats every game the same, which uh, you know can make for some boring quotes for us. Uh, I don't want to say testy because he's—it's not like he's outwardly antagonistic, but he just doesn't say a whole lot of anything. But I think that attitude serves them well in games like this and in late games like this. Um, but the defense is the question mark with them, how they are going to react. And uh, the answer is we'll see. Yeah. Um, not really sure. But, uh, Joe, as we wrap things up here, let's talk about predictions here. Uh, you've got the, the screen pulled up as we're sort of in the bowels of uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. And uh, what what did you pick? Well, it was 48-45 last year in favor of the Longhorns. I went 49-45 OU in this one. I, I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. I, I'm not, you know, totally bought into that OU defense or Texas defense. I think it's just really good quarterback play and really good offenses. Yeah, I, I went with a, a, a close score, 41-34. to uh, I hope I read that right, Joe. 41-34. Right. I think it's going to go down to the wire. I think we're going to be talking about this game for a long time. The first time that we've seen two really, really good teams play in this atmosphere in a, in a long time. So it, it'll be a fun one, but we'll see how it turns out. Uh, Joe, any any other games this weekend that really pop out to you? Uh, you know, I'm looking at the list here. You know, that obviously all eyes on that OU Texas game. I think it's interesting that, you know, no one, everyone picked OU and our staff. No one picked the Sooners to cover. Um, well, hold up. Barry picked OU? Oh, shoot. I'm, I'm incorrect. I, I've, I've told a lie. Barry, Barry's got a low-scoring game, 34-31 Texas. I think that's his upset special. Yeah, um, well, and let's explain this a little bit since Barry's not here to do it. Um, Barry has a system every year. He always picks the team that won the year before. This year presented a little bit of a... Uh, I've never heard that. ...an outlet for him because he could go either way. Is it... <laughs> the, the Red River Showdown from the year before, or is it the uh, Big 12 Championship game? He decided to stick with the October matchup and uh, pick the Longhorns. What, what, what's his way, line of thinking on always picking the team from uh, the year before? Just for a long time, momentum has been such a thing in this series, and we've seen streaks uh, build, and that's just the way he's done it, at least since I've been here, which has been way too long now, Joe, 2006. <laughs> Yeah, uh, was my first year at the Oklahoma. Well, that's interesting. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes. The, a, a game I have, I guess, way closer than the line suggests. Alabama at A and M, I think, could be. I don't know if it's a. I don't know if there's such thing as a trap game for for Alabama, but um, I, I only picked the Crimson Tide to win that game by three. College Station, such a tough place to go into, but you know, it's not too many. Uh, 
too many great games this week outside of the obvious Florida, LSU, and OU Texas. Yeah, I think there's some interesting games. To me, uh, Nebraska-Minnesota is an interesting one. Minnesota's there favored by 7.5. You know, I I really think that Nebraska is going to win that game and sort of end this thought about Minnesota and the run that they've been on. Minnesota, yes, they're undefeated, and that means something being in a Power 5 conference at this point of the year. But they've had a lot of close games against a lot of teams that haven't been really good at all. And I think that that bubble burst this weekend. We're on the we're we're, we're on the same line of thinking there. We're the we're the two folks on staff who picked the Huskers over the Gophers. Yeah, so we'll see how that game turns out. We'll see how OU Texas turns out. We'll be down there at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday, 11 a.m. Eating corn corny Fox. dogs. Yes, we'll be eating some corny dogs, uh, enjoying some other fair food. By the way, Lincoln Riley said his favorite fair food was a funnel cake. Said he hadn't had one in about ten years, but that was his favorite uh, favorite fair food. What's yours, Joe? I mean, you, I have you, to go to the corny dog. I have one every single year. I'm down there. I have multiple usually when I'm down there. <laughs> funnel cake. You know, I like funnel cakes, but that's it's kind of a boring pick, honestly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going, if I'm going dessert, I mean, to, I want something I, exotic. We, I think we talked about this early in the week, Joe. Um, if I'm going dessert, I want like a deep fried Snickers. Yeah. Uh, some of the more exotic things that yeah. they throw out there at the fairs. You know, a funnel cake you can get anywhere. You can go to the zoo and get a funnel cake. You can go to, uh, you know, Frontier City and get a funnel cake. You can probably go uh, to this concession stand that we're uh, standing yeah, outside of. Yeah, you probably of. can at the, bet, the Gridiron bet, Grill. I bet they've got funnel cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, there will be plenty of funnel cakes consumed. Plenty of Fletcher's corny dogs consumed, plenty of adult beverages consumed on on Saturday down at the State Fair of Texas, and we'll be around uh, for the football, the food, and everything else. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Want to remind you, uh, if you're listening to this before the game, please uh, go and check out RedRiverRivalryRadio.com. Uh, a 24-hour, seven-day-long pop-up radio station this week. All OU Texas all the time. Some really good content. And uh, really looking forward to, to hearing that. But uh, once again, the Sooners Extra podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Joe, tell people how they can reach you. Um Email at jmasato at oklahoman.com and Twitter at Joe underscore Masato, M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O. Two S's, two T's, as we say always for Joe Masato. That's right. You can reach me at on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R or through email R-A-B-E-R at oklahoman.com. Thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best. OU coverage anywhere.